There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's original. And welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week, we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I'm Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And who are our new patrons this week? Sierra. J- is it Jacques or Jack A? Jacques? I think it's Jacques. J-A-C-Q-U-E. Could be Jacques. Jacques, yeah. Gilly, Annalise, Sally, and Lane. Great names. Guys, welcome to the team. Uh, Every time I hear Sierra, I'm like, Sierra! This beat is automatic, automatic, and funky, fresh. Huh? (laughs) What is that? that It's a song by Sierra. Oh, oh. Do you remember the, the, the musical artist yes, yes, era? Yes. From the early 2000s? Um, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, guys, welcome to the team. And you all have a chance to host or guest host should you want to. Just message us by September 1st. Melissa, what is our episode on today? Well, I was going through the um, the email that Maria's Demon sends every month with all the suggestions from the Discord, yes. and I saw Dantana posted one about this guy named Stephen Kubaki, mm. who went missing but then reappeared a year later, claiming to have no memory of where he was. Oh my god! Or what he was doing? But some people are like, eh, some people believe him, some people don't believe him. And this is, there's this whole story 
called The Misappearance of Stephen Kubaki by Ellen Kaloran. That's on her Substack. Okay, so Stephen Kubaki, he went missing during a ski trip in Michigan mm. and reappeared over a year later with no recollection of where he's been. Is he telling the truth? And then we're also going to get into a few more of these strange disappearances and reappearances, like um, the one about Amanda Eller, who recently went missing in Hawaii for 17 days, but then she described it as a spiritual journey. That's interesting. Some people say she's made it all up. And then there's this woman named Lisa Theris, who survived for a month in the Alabama woods. She ended up writing a book about it. But also, the police claim she was on meth the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you disappear in the Alabama woods, my guess is you did some crack and took a wrong turn. Yeah. And then there's this guy named William Hughes, who was an Air Force pilot. He was found missing after 35 years. Oh, my God. So were all these genuine disappearances? Were some of them hoaxes? Let's, Let's get, into, get it. into it. Okay, Stephen Kubaki. He was a... 23-year-old student at Hope College in Holland, Michigan. Ooh, Holland. Which is like a little Dutch town in Michigan. It's like it's like an hour and a half from where I grew up. Oh. Everyone wears clogs. They have like a yeah, I was tulip say, festival. That's so cute. Yeah, it's so cute. It's like Solvang in uh, California. Yeah, it's really fun during <laughs> Christmas. You so. have an apple shiver. Yeah, apple shivers. So he disappeared on February 20th, 20th 1978 while cross-country skiing by himself in Saugatuck, which is also very close by Holland. He's originally from South Deerfield, Massachusetts. Mm. His dad worked in a tire factory. His mom was a secretary at the University of Massachusetts. Blue collar jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was supposed to graduate from Hope College in 1978. And before he disappeared, he wrote an article for the Hope College newspaper about the inadequate book collection in the university library. Okay, nerd. I mean, that's what I, he said the school <laughs> needed to install an electronic security system to prevent theft. Okay. So he's a bit of a narc. Bit of a yeah, narc seriously. and a bit of a nerd. Yeah. He was also described as very intelligent and he's really into Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I could have I could have guessed that. <laughs> he lived off campus. He was super into the outdoors. He lived in Europe for a little while. He would hike and climb mountains. He was very familiar with the area where he went skiing. So a day after he went on this Lake Michigan ski trip, people on snowmobiles were going through the area and they saw some cross-country skis and a backpack that were abandoned. Like the skis mm. were just like placed in the snow with oh, a backpack God. like in front of it. That's scary. So they called the police to report it. And they went through the backpack. They discovered that it was Steven's backpack. So then they launched like a search and rescue mission. They saw a 200-foot trail of footprints in the snow from the skis. And it led to Lake Michigan. And then it just ended. Was the lake frozen over? Yes. Oh, interesting. So okay. some people assumed he fell through the ice and died. Like, the footprints just ended. Could he have been trying to cross the lake to go to somewhere? That's... The, the other side? <laughs> Maybe he's going the other side. There's a chicken on the other side? Yeah. But apparently, even the detectives who investigated his disappearance had doubts about the drowning theory. They're like, we don't know. They didn't see any, like, cracks in the ice or anything. That's so weird. And a crazy thing they did, they sent his dental records to Chicago to see if he might have been uh, one of 
John Wayne Gacy's victims because he was like a big serial killer at the time. Oh, shit. So they like went to his dentist. They're like, um, is this guy match any of these bodies? Oh, my God. Apparently it didn't match. So they were like, okay, we could rule out John Wayne Gacy. Good. Oh, my God. And his parents weren't convinced either that he just like fell through the ice. His parents ended up spending a shit ton of money on a private investigator from this service called Fat Man Detective Service in Grand Rapids. It's still a thing. The company's name is Fat Man. I don't know if it's if it's Fat Man Detective Show. Fat Man Detective Show. Oh wait, I think this is Jake and the Fat Man. Jake and the Fat Man. That's not related. (laughs) Okay. But this looks good. A 1987 television drama <laughs> yeah, similar yeah, to Matlock. Yeah. I've, Jake you've heard of this? Man. Yeah. I, I never watched this. it. <laughs> Jake Fatman McCabe and Joe Penny as investigator Jake Stiles <laughs> on CBS. Ooh. Oh, Diagnosis Murder was a spinoff of this series. Whoa. See? <laughs> we got to get into Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> start watching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's a yeah the fat man international private detective service it's in grand rapids or wow. Creek. it's still going that's oh, hilarious we got to get someone on the pod from that show hello is this the fat man detective, <laughs> this is the service? Fat man detective agency <laughs> i have a few questions <laughs> we have a lot of questions a lot of questions <laughs> uh so steven's brother told the police he didn't believe steven drowned mm. he thought that he might have gone to germany where Kubaki's classmates had told police that he had two girlfriends and another one in France. That's like... How, how did he get to Germany from Michigan across this lake? <laughs> <laughs> also, like, having two girlfriends in Germany is very, like, George Glass energy. Yeah. <laughs> My boyfriend, George Glass. They're, in, they're all in the Spice Girls in Germany. Uh, His brother said that Stephen would have definitely flown Icelandic air out of Chicago if he went to Germany. I don't know why. That was the thing. So they requested all the flight manifests, and they found no record of him flying at any time. Bizarre. Okay. But then, 15 months later, Stephen showed up in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, 720 miles east from where he disappeared. He claimed... To have no memory of what happened. That's crazy. Was he a victim of the Lake Michigan Triangle? <gasps> Which I didn't know was a thing. Me either. I've never heard of that. I'm, I'm from Michigan. I've never heard of the Lake Michigan Triangle. It's apparently the Bermuda Triangle of the Great Lakes. What? I wonder if Tenny knows about this. I'm sure he does. does. Yeah. So this triangle, it goes from Manitowoc, Wisconsin, to Ludington, Michigan, and then to Benton Harbor, Michigan. So it makes kind of like across the lake to Wisconsin. Apparently, it's believed to have caused numerous shipwrecks, plane disappearances, unexplained phenomena. There's like mysterious ice blocks falling from the sky to balls of fire, (laughs) strange hovering lights. Excuse me? So some people think that like, et extraterrestrials are drawn to the area and then that's like home to like a time portal (laughs) of course why not because there's this flight the most famous missing flight flight 2501 was flying from new york to seattle disappeared in the triangle what's crazy is that the flight wreckage was never found but the bodies were found 
That's weird. But they never found the plane. It was just the bodies. So the Lake Michigan Triangle, did it swallow him up and spit I him think back yes. Out? <laughs> so on Saturday, May 5th, 1979, Stephen was in a field in Massachusetts. No memory of what happened. He claimed he didn't know how much time had gone by until he saw a newspaper and saw the date. <laughs> like That's like from the movies. Like Marty McFly. Like It's like, sir, what year is it? <laughs> sir, what year is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, what? Okay. Have you seen someone did one of those pranks where they like... Oh, my God, really? There's like a video of them being like, hey, what year is it? It's like, holy shit. They just like run out. I would be so weirded out if that happened to me. I know. I'd be like, what? If someone did that to me, I'd be like, the time travel is real. Time be- travel is real. Uh, so he went to his aunt's house, which was about 20 miles away. Because remember, he grew up in Massachusetts. Yeah. And then he was reunited with his parents. He told reporters he had $40 in cash. He was wearing all new glasses, new shoes. He had a t-shirt that had the name of a, a marathon in Wisconsin. He doesn't remember running a marathon. <laughs> that is bizarre. He had a backpack filled with maps and hitchhiking signs that mentioned Sacramento, San Francisco, Reno, Utah, and Chicago. And a few days after he reappeared, he said, I feel like I've done a lot of running. Like, okay, okay Forrest Gump. Gump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just started what? running. <laughs> The last thing he remembered was feeling cold and scared. He said his memory loss was caused by exhaustion. And what's weird is that he agreed to see a doctor to get checked out, like have a physical. He would not see a psychiatrist. That's weird. Yes, that's very suspect. Yeah. So after his reappearance made national headlines, a student at Berkshire, Berkshire Christian College in Lenox contacted the Associated Press he said he picked up a hitchhiker with a remarkable resemblance to Kobaki on May 5th, 1979, the same day he reappeared. Uh-oh. The student named Ron Curtis said this hitchhiker told him he had flown from San Francisco to Boston, taken a bus to Pittsfield, and he called himself Nathan. He never said anything about waking up on a grassy hill. So this hitchhiker, this, or this guy picked him up and thought he was just like a hitchhiker. And so he said he drove Nathan to a house in Great Barrington. It was the home of Kubaki's aunt. But this hitchhiker told Curtis that she was a friend he was visiting with and that he huh. has been missing for a while. So when someone found him, he's like, my name's Nathan, I'm a hitchhiker. But then when like he went to his aunt's house, he's like, oh, I don't know what happened. That is so bizarre. I just woke up, I don't know. So he reunited with his family. His mother told reporters at the time that she hadn't got an explanation for her son's long absence and didn't need one. She's just like, like, cool with it? Don't you want to know? (laughs) Yeah, what? No, it's fine. He's back. It's fine. (laughs) He's back now. That's why people think like, oh, he's just lying. He just disappeared. It's weird. He said his mental health was fine when he went on the ski trip. And he said... My father was going to sign over the house to me. I had three courses at school and no trouble. I left a romance in Germany. There was no trouble with girls. I had a job lined up with the Holland Sentinel newspaper. 
You know when someone's like, I had no problem Everything with Everything was great. Everything's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, you're going through something. Okay, something <laughs> Yeah. So what happened to him? Was he suffering amnesia from a fall? Did he black out? Did he get abducted by aliens? I mean, Did yeah. Did he purpose and lie about it? So he told reporters in 1979 when he got back that he was going to try to retrace his steps to piece together what had happened. But he never did that. There's no record of him ever doing that. And he has never spoken about it again. And he refuses to speak about it. It's so strange. Now I feel like maybe he did go to Germany and the girl was like, no, this isn't a thing. I'm not into you. And then he came back embarrassed and is like, I'm never going to talk about it again. Yeah. Like, but there's no flight records or anything. Right. So I'm just confused. I think because he had all these signs in his backpack, like hitchhiking signs, like Sacramento. Chicago, Utah. I think he just went like hitchhiking. I don't know. But it's even crazier is that he ended up graduating from college with a degree in German studies. And then in 1983, he got a master's degree. He time traveled back to 1893. He got a master's degree in linguistics. Uh, He enrolled in a PhD clinical psychology program. Uh, He got an internship at Dartmouth Medical School. He became a professor at the University of Wyoming. What? Then in 1993, he started practicing as a psychologist in Seattle. And he provided treatment for PTSD, trauma, depression, ADHD, bipolar, OCD. And then in 1998, he served as chair of the Department of Psychology at Argus University in Seattle. He wrote a book in 2017 called Metamathematical Foundations of Existence, Godel, Quantum, God, and Beyond. And he's also on Twitter, just like nothing happened. I mean, I obviously don't know what this book is about, but quantum, like, did he quantum leap into another dimension? I don't know. Let's take a look at this book. Maybe he did. It's so um, weird. Like, he just will never speak about it. People have reached out to him. Okay, listen listen to this. Okay. The goal, uh, this is from his book. The goal of science is to discover and explore the boundless realities of existence. In the Metamathematical Foundations of Existence, the author proves that existence is infinite in its universes and realities. Everything iman- imaginable and unimaginable is possible. There is endless change and limitless possibility driven by the inherent incompleteness and inconsistency of all things, thoughts, theories, and universes. So he's basically, he's he's doing like huh. Schrodinger's cat shit. Yeah. Even God exists, though not in the way generally conceived. Through the book's proofs, the origin of the universe and basic ideas and quantum mechanics are also rendered more understandable. Most importantly, the reader does not need to know any math. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a book for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quantum, quantum leaping that's for hilarious. dummies. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, he seems just like a real weird guy. Like, I I assume that he probably knows what happened, and then he, like, went on some long, like, year-long hitchhiking quest, maybe took some drugs, maybe he joined a cult or two. Yeah, this guy did, this guy has done acid. You don't yeah. think about the multiverse without doing acid. Yeah. I think he was just like, okay, time to go home after, like, a year and a half. Yeah. Because, like, a person who was, like, not crazy, he would have recognize how odd this disappearance was he would have like offered an explanation right 
he would have been like, oh, yeah, weird. Like, I don't know. I just kind of disappeared. But he refuses to say anything. Yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. Something's weird that he won't even like acknowledge that. Like, yeah, that was weird that I disappeared. He's just like, nope, not telling you. Like, he knows yes. what he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what you, you did. You know what Steven. you did. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's just like out there living his life. Working as a psychologist, he was a professor. Steve, what do you do? Steve, what do you do? Mr. Kubacki. Just tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Just send us an email. <laughs> so then there was another strange disappearance. This happened a couple years ago. I don't know. It, it was kind of in the news. It's this woman named Amanda it. Eller. So her car was spotted near a trail in this forest reserve in Hawaii. She was missing for 17 days. There were like thousands of search volunteers looking through the jungles and the streams. And then her family announced like this $50,000 reward. And then she was found with a broken leg, sunburned scrapes, torn meniscus in her knee. Oh my God. She was like malnourished and dirty, but like she was alive. She's this 35-year-old woman. And she was like, I wanted to give up, but the only option I had was life or death. She was a physical therapist, yoga instructor. She said she lost her way in the Macau Forest Reserve on the northern side of Maui on May 8th. And then she turned this like three mile hike into like a two week fight for her life. That's why you shouldn't hike. That's why you shouldn't hike. No exercise. Yeah. The reserve is like 2,000 acres. It's surrounded by thousands of acres of forest, ravines, rocks, giant ferns. And she intended to go on this like short walk, one had, she had done before. She went off the path at one point to rest, and then she like got turned around somehow. Oh, God. And she said, I wanted to go back the way I'd came, but my gut was leading me another way, and I had to have a very strong gut instinct. Well, apparently girl. you don't. <laughs> yeah, girl, that <laughs> led you astray. And she's like, so I said, my car is this way. I'm just going to go keep, keep going until I reach it. And she had hiked continuously from 10.30 a.m. until midnight the first day looking for her car. Oh, Jesus, what a nightmare. And at night, she covered herself in ferns, leaves, and whatever she could find on the ground. She slept in the mud. She spent one night in the den of a wild boar. She <laughs> ate whatever she could salvage. <laughs> uh, wild strawberry guavas, plants. She couldn't identify moths that landed on her body. Oh, God. And then a helicopter found her on day 17. So she's a holistic healer. She has a website. Oh, God. She referred to the disappearance as an amazing journey. She talked about this psychic that she talked to a few days before she went missing who told her she was about to embark on a spiritual boot camp. Well, that's one way to describe it. So people started to question if she did this on purpose and, like, took it too far. Yeah. And they asked, they were like, why didn't she bring a cell phone? She just like willy nilly went into the wilderness with no precautions, no plan. Yeah, that's not good. And then a GoFundMe was started by her family and it got up to $80,000. Oh, God. Which was used for search resources. But once Amanda was found, the family said they would donate what wasn't used to improve hiker safety in the area when she was found. But like... I tried did to find they if they, they donated it? the money, but interesting. there's no real record of that happening. So people were like, there was a lot of doubt to her story, how she was unable to find a trail or a way out, even though there's not a single place inside the reserve that is less than a mile or so from a trail or from oh a Oh my road. God, really? 
yeah like it was close by the road <laughs> also i feel like it's like if it's a maui tourist destination i would imagine that all throughout the day there's people there yeah so like a year after she was found the helicopter pilot who found her discussed like the possibility of a book or a movie about the incident of course and then one article said she was writing a book about it but she's like this lifelong experienced hiker she went off alone left both her phone and her water bottle in her car what and then got lost you don't if you're hiking you don't leave the last thing you leave in your car is the water bottle weird so the entire area is about three square miles that's it it's not impossible but kind of hard for such an experienced hiker to get so lost in such a small area especially with like people and helicopters looking for day said she like saw heard helicopters before they rescued her so, like, she said a lot of weird things in interviews after being recovered and, she, like, making it sound like this was all part of, like, a plan she had. This makes like, no sense. Yeah, a lot of people were discussing it as, like, a hoax. People who live there. So, I she's, like, she's just living her life now as a holistic healer. That's like me getting lost at the dog park for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, so that was, like, a that's a questionable disappearance yeah i don't know i don't know now let's take a quick break for announcements web crawlers has a patreon to get access to video episodes shout outs merch discounts please go to patreon.com slash web crawlers you can donate as little as two dollars a month to become one of our patrons also please rate and review us on apple podcasts if you give us a five-star review we will shout you out also, Erios has a hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. Please continue to call us. What do, what do they say? Um, quality better than quantity. And <laughs> we will continue to play you on our mailbag episodes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe 
ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Now back to our program. And then there's Lisa Ferris. So on August 12th, Lisa Ferris emerged from the Alabama woods. Oh, God. She spent 28 days in the wilderness. She made her way to Highway 82 near Union Springs when a passing motorist found her walking naked, scared, and sunbaked along the road. Uh-oh, Lisa. Since then, her whole bizarre ordeal, which she reportedly survived only by drinking muddy water and eating wild mushrooms and berries... It's become the subject of intense investigation. Oh, God. So the authorities said why they believe she disappeared in the first place and how she managed to stay for so long. She was high on meth. (laughs) Yeah, girl. (laughs) Sorry to break it to you. So the police (laughs) said that 25-year-old was disorientated and suffering from hallucinations brought on by taking methamphetamine. Yeah, she was flying high as a kite. And this could very well explain why she was never found her way out of the woods, despite reportedly never being more than a mile from the nearest road. What is wrong with these people? Like, can't you hear? Like, you would hear. I don't, it just seems crazy. So apparently she took drugs with two men. This 36-year-old guy, That's how Randall. It starts. That's always how it starts. That's how it starts with two guys. The 31-year-old Manly Green Davis. Uh, they were both well-known to law enforcement because of previous arrests for crime and drugs. Oh, God. Then apparently these three people burglarized a nearby hunting lodge on July 19th, the night she went missing. Oh, no. The guys like were trying to ram through the lodge's metal entrance gate. Lisa reportedly jumped out of the truck and into the woods. Like, apparently Lisa. she just, like, <laughs> was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> and then the two guys were arrested for burglary. They, what's crazy is that each of them accused the other one of killing her. <laughs> then the That's weird. Before she was found. <laughs> That's really weird. So what's, because they were, like, both crackheads. One of them said Davis had shot the girl in the head, placed her body in a garbage bag, and tossed it into the creek. That's, like, so specific, too, especially when she's still alive. Like, why would you? That's so weird. Like, obviously, they didn't find a body. Like, I guess they were just so, like, messed out. They started blaming each other for a murder that didn't happen. Like, no, he he killed her. He put her body in a thing. Like, crazy. (laughs) But, no, she survived. She was covered in cuts and bug bites and poison ivy welts. She was 40 pounds lighter than when she went in. But then some people think she participated in this burglary and she just like stayed in the woods to avoid getting arrested. I mean, maybe if you're if you're like cracked out and paranoid. Yeah, you're like, I'm just going to live in the woods. Yeah, I just live in the woods now. (laughs) (laughs) There's no there's no other way. The, The place that they burglarized was one of the dude's dad's ranch or lodge. Weird. This guy, George Oswald, he was Randall's father. He said, I'm extremely pissed with my son. He's embarrassed my name. He's stolen from my good friends, and he's got a lot of questions to answer. But if she's a sweet little princess who got lost in the woods for all this time, then I'm the fucking Pope. It's just not possible. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god <sighs> and then she wrote a book called naked with only the will to survive what is wrong with these people what's wrong with these people i don't i can't even imagine what this book <laughs> is but then i looked her up she was arrested in 2020 for drugs so yeah i mean she it says here like lisa's problems originated in high school where she began abusing alcohol and xanax yeah there her companions found her drugged her abused her so they said she they she was drugged by them yeah i don't know lisa i don't buy it (laughs) you're not hanging out with these people in the first place unless you're on a run you know it's crazy that you can survive for a month just by eating like berry also like there's probably a lot of poisonous mushrooms how did she know which ones to eat which ones not to eat like i would be so afraid to eat any sort of mushroom yeah me too this book does not have very good reviews i'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably a lot of things spelled wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, this is not a very well-reviewed book. Uh, And then we come to our last strange disappearance. This one was in the news recently. This guy named William Hughes. So, this guy named Barry O'Beirne's neighbors and co-workers in Northern California, they knew him as a quiet man who always wore a San Francisco Giants baseball cap. Mm. He used a treadmill at the local gym. He was just like, you know, cool guy. Yeah, normal dude. But that all changed on the morning of June 6, 2018. Uh Uh-oh. When a team of Air Force special agents arrived at the door of O'Beirne's townhouse in Daly City, which is a suburb south of San Francisco, arrested him for desertion. Desertion? Desertion. So his real name was William Howard Hughes Jr., he had disappeared 35 years earlier while he was a captain in the Air Force assigned to Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico. Oh my God. So his family and his fellow airmen were taken completely by surprise, had no idea where he had gone for more than 30 years. His family thought that he was abducted, not by aliens, but by yeah, like... <laughs> interesting take. <laughs> he was definitely abducted. Yeah, he was abducted. And some people suspected he defecated. <laughs> Defecated? (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) He defecated his way to the Soviet Union. (laughs) He shit his pants all the way to the Soviet Union. All the way to Russia. (laughs) He defected to the Soviet Union. (laughs) He just just shit his pants. He was embarrassed. <laughs> he's like, I gotta go. I gotta leave the country. I gotta go to the Soviet Union. You can't come back from that. <laughs> so the exact reason he vanished remains unknown. But in the four years since his arrest, uh, the San Francisco Gate uncovered more details about his past, which could shed some light on where he went for those 30 years. Mm. So he was born in Seattle in 1950, 1973, he enlisted in the Air Force. By the age of 33, he had become a captain. He was, like, working, developing, like, new weapons and special operations. But his main mission was maintaining and studying America's nuclear weapons. So he was Uh big into that nuclear 
nuclear. How does George Bush say it? Nuclear. 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 Yeah. So when he worked there, he was assigned to the Air Force Operational Test and Evaluation Center, which tests new weapons and equipment. His specific duties included classified planning. We already know about his specific duties. (laughs) His specific duties included defecating, (laughs) uh, the NATO command control, communication surveillance. So he was like, he was in there with all the secrets, the nuclear secrets. Yeah, he was sent to the Netherlands in 1983 to work with NATO officers. He was due back in Albuquerque on August 1st. He never returned. That's weird. So an investigation showed that he was last seen in Albuquerque withdrawing $28,500 from his bank account at 19 different branch locations. Oh, geez. He was just going around to these banks. And then a search of his home found to-do lists and books to read. His car was later found at the Albuquerque International Airport. So a service member who fails to report for duty is considered absent without leave. Mm. And if you're AWOL for more than... 31 days your status is changed to desertion Uh uh-oh so on december 9th 1983 130 days after he was supposed to arrive back at albuquerque the air force formally declared him a deserter Uh you're a deserter so he wasn't just any airman he had top secret single scope background investigation clearance oh god so that's even scarier when someone like that deserts yeah so he had access to only the U.S. secret and North Atlantic Treaty Organization secret information. But still, this was the Cold War in the early 1980s, where nuclear war with the Soviet Union threatened to wipe out life on Earth at any moment. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot of drama going around at that time with nuclear weapons. Yeah, drama much? Drama, the Cold War. <laughs> There's also a history of Americans with access to classified material defecting to the USSR. Second time's the charm. <laughs> that included George Koval, who passed information about the Manhattan Project to the Soviets in the 1940s. So there oh, was God. like a lot of this going on. Yeah. So when asked in 1984 if Hughes may have defected, the Air Force captain told the Arizona Journal, that has to be an option. Jesus. And then the FBI was more conservative. They were like, there's no indication of espionage at this point. Like, they were trying yeah. to make it seem like not a big deal. Chill. They're like, no, 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 it's fine. We, he yeah, doesn't okay. have all these crazy secrets. <laughs> yeah. So his sister didn't believe that he just, like, voluntarily left. He said the disappearance was totally out of character for him. And the military, the police, they all tried to find him, but they could not find him. What's crazy, I know this in the military, desertion is a serious crime that can be punished by death in a time of war. Oh, my God. But only one U.S. service member since the Civil War, a soldier named Private Eddie Slovak, has ever been executed for desertion. So apparently it's That's a thing really you can crazy. Do. Yeah. Don't join the military and then just leave. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that also seems like something I would do. Like, that's crazy. You can't. I mean, I get. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. That's really scary. So then in 1986, this guy named Tad Zolk. <laughs> Tad Hamilton. He was a claimed reporter. Um, he was credited with first reporting the CIA's involvement in the Bay of Pigs invasion in Cuba. He wrote an article saying that U.S. intelligence officers believed Hughes may have had something to do with recent high-profile rocket ship explosions. This is crazy. 
What? So in 1985, a French rocket blew up shortly after liftoff. Then in 1986, the Challenger space shuttle exploded. Yeah. After liftoff over Florida, killing seven crew members aboard. That was, were you alive? No. Oh, well, I was alive in 1986. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, because I was too young. I didn't watch it, but like I remember hearing yeah. about it. No, I, I was like Didn't have zero. a teacher on board? Yeah, but I was like zero years old, so I don't know. Yeah. I remember learning about it later on. Yeah. So both the Challenger and two other spacecraft, which failed around that time, were carrying U.S. surveillance satellites. So those failures meant the U.S. could not keep an eye on Russia's nuclear deployment. Uh-oh. So they're saying that, like, maybe he had something to do with these two explosions because they were carrying... Yeah, he was like a mole or something. Yeah. Or a, whatever they call it, yeah. A mole. Yeah. <laughs> a uh, double agent. Double agent, yeah. So Tad said they saw a clear link between Hughes and possible sabotage of the American French launches. So that's crazy that he may have Yeah. Had. I'd never heard that... Maybe the Challenger was like... Me either. I had no idea. Sabotaged. So this guy said that Hughes is worth his weight in gold to the Russians. Yeah, if he's doing all this shit for sure. Uh, Despite the allegation, um, he disappeared from any news coverage between 1987 and 2017. Like People just like forgot about him. They thought he was dead. But what eventually led to him being discovered was not espionage or treason... But passport fraud. Oh, God. On June 5th, 2018, special agents interviewed a man living in Daly City named Barry O'Byrne during a passport fraud investigation. To be fair, that's an insane name. Yeah, Barry O'Byrne. Yeah, that's Why would crazy. you change your name? Yeah, just do what something normal. Yeah. So after being confronted with inconsistencies about his identity, he admitted his real name was William Howard Hughes Jr., and that he deserted from the Air Force in 1983. He said he was depressed about being in the Air Force, so he left, okay. made up a new name as O'Byrn, and lived in California ever since. He married a woman who ta- took his fake last name and then filed for... She filed for a marriage annulment two months after he was arrested. She was like, uh, what? Yeah, no, hard pass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hard pass. Uh, he worked as an actuary and consultant for the University of California in Oakland. He represented the UC system in labor negotiations. He had a reputation for being cheerful and sociable. <laughs> He's just living his life. That's so weird. And it's not clear if he ever reconnected with his family. Because his siblings haven't spoken publicly since the arrest. So he was taken to Travis Air Force Base. Was found guilty of desertion. Sentenced to only 45 days in military prison. It's not too bad. Lost an appeal a month later, and his current whereabouts are unknown. So apparently he was in military prison for 45 days, and that's it? vanished. And that's That's it? Like, that's all you get for deserting the military? That's weird. It's so strange. Like, no one knows where he is now. Well, I'm sure he must have done witness protection program he must have been like a double agent like working for russia and working for the u.s like or something Uh, i mean i I don't know because he seems to have gotten some sort of protection from the u.s as well yeah because 45 days after being missing for 30 years and now disappeared like that's that's witness relocation status they go yeah um so he's not the only airman to vanish without a trace so 
As of 2016, there were 62 Air Force deserters who remained unaccounted for. So the oldest of those deserted in 1967. He would be 93 years old today. And the most recent one happened in 2014 in Korea. So there's like 62 Air Force deserters just out there. I wonder how hard it is to leave the military. Like, I wonder if you're like, I want to leave. But they're like, if they're like, no. Like, I wonder why you would desert instead of being like, I'd like to peace out. I wonder. Because, yeah, you can't just be like, yeah, I'm not into this anymore. Yeah, like, like if you you sign up. Sign up and you sign something that says, like. You must have to be there for four years or something or a certain amount of years. Yeah. Because there has to be a reason to desert rather than just be like, uh, I regret Yeah, this. I don't know. I'm sure. Does anyone, do we have any listeners who have like signed up for the yeah, military? Yeah, so if you guys know, if you've been in the military, if you know anything about the military, if you know anything about deserting, if you've shit your pants and had to move to another country, <laughs> Melissa, where can Soviet people reach Union. us? Yeah, to go to Russia because you shit your pants. <laughs> where can people reach you us? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. Um, well, I am Allie. I have shit my pants once, but I'm not going to tell you that story. Seagull. I am Melissa. I too have once shit my pants. I'm not going to tell you that story either. <laughs> I know we have so. This is the number one podcast with two female hosts who have shit their pants. Have a good day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.